Oh, the world has changed so much in the three weeks that uh, I've been away from my makeshift studio here. Abortion and gun rights and climate change and uh, Biden's support for another term. Uh, we had another mass shooting, the explosive January 6th testimony. <laughs> That's just in three weeks, folks. Hi, I'm Richard Bay, and this is Richard Bay Talk, along with my producer, Albert Reynoso. Hey, Bay. And good to see you live. Thank you for joining us. So, as I said, so many things have changed. A lot of those changes have occurred because of this radical and assertive Supreme Court, which has probably made more changes in American culture and society than any court uh, since the Warren Court. Uh, probably more than the Warren Court, you know, in, in some ways. Um, you know, it doesn't seem too long ago that I, when I used to work on WABC, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh and he would be screaming, the court is too much power. We need to, uh, we need to uh, overturn Marbury versus Madison, which is the original decision that gives the court uh, the authority to turn over on constitutional laws and regulations. Uh, of course, it's 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 changed now. The attitude. Alexander Hamilton declared that of all the three branches—the federal, the exec, uh, the executive, excuse me, the legislative, and the judicial—the judicial was the least dangerous because it didn't have the power to raise money through taxation. It didn't have the power to declare war. So basically, it was somewhat of the weakest of the three branches. That's what Alexander Hamilton said. I. It looks like it's become the strongest of the three branches uh, uh, because it seems to have been encroaching the authorities of the other two branches uh, lately, making them weaker than they have been. And there's another case coming up in the next docket. They just gave it cert, meaning they're going to decide upon it. And it's a case um, that will decide if independent state legislatures can pick the presidential electors without a check from any other branches or even the voters. They can make Congressional districts subject to a, a, a governor's veto, not subject. If the governor wants to veto it, nah, legislature is supreme. Or even if the state Supreme Court, even if the Constitution, as it does in Florida, specifically cites in its latest amendment that partisan gerrymandering is unconstitutional by Florida constitution standards. It doesn't matter. Even in Florida, uh, we have a right to privacy encoded in the constitution that has been determined um, to uh, allow abortions and a woman's right to choose what happens to her own body. They don't care. They just don't care. But that is probably, I mean, we've had a lot of decisions that are very dangerous. The abortion decision that could lead to more deaths of women in this country. Um, we, the decision about the EPA, where they restricted the ability of the EPA um, to, um, 
to regulate coal-fired power plants. That was West Virginia versus the EPA. I mean, that's pretty freaking dangerous when you consider the global warming threat that we're all facing. Um, This one, though, might have the ability to destroy American democracy. The legislatures of the states can pick presidential electors without a check from the voters, without a check from the, uh, you know, from the courts. The governor's veto will no longer count. I mean, you might say we don't know how they're going to decide, but this has been Gorsuch's in, in several decisions, he has said that he supports this sort of thing. And the other judges, uh, the conservative judges, have also said that. So th- this is a threat we're facing next year that is even bigger uh, than their encroachment on other branches of government. The legislative, for instance, the 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 Voting Rights Act, the Senate passed it originally by a 77 to 19 vote. Um, you know, the Civil Rights Act had 98 to zero, if I remember correctly, when it was re-upped in 2006. Now they, they've gutted it. Uh, John Roberts said, well, you know, these states have changed. And we don't face the same sort of racial discrimination we did in the past. Yeah. And as soon as they gutted that part of the law, there was a judge in North Carolina who found that the gerrymandering, with surgical precision, excised the voting power of African Americans. Right afterwards. What a what a coincidence. Um all right, the Environmental Protection Agency and their authority to regulate greenhouse gases. I mean, Elena Kagan on the Supreme Court said, you've just eviscerated a federal power that that goes back to the founding fathers who had agencies that had the right to deal at their understanding with problems of national import. And certainly climate change is one of those. The, the, the court here said, well, when they when you know when they established the EPA, there was no global warming. So how could it uh, how could it affect global warming? Ay. You know, the, the gun, I, I just watched the movie Wyatt Earp. Not the one with um, Kurt Russell that people prefer. And my old girlfriend, Dana Delaney, is in it. Um, But I watched the one with Kevin Costner. And as you watch it, you see when he is the sheriff in Dodge City, he goes up and he takes guns away from any of the cowboys that come into town. And they have a a big notice as you ride into town on your horse. You've got to turn your guns in. Then when he goes to Tombstone, Arizona, a different state, a different municipality, the same thing. He tells the cowboys, you have to turn in your guns. There's a big sign telling them to turn in their guns. You want a historical precedence? 
for local states and municipalities to enforce gun regulations as they did in New York State? I mean, go watch Wyatt Earp. So, you know, let's, I mean, I could get into the, the, uh, the religious decisions they've had. Oh, we all know. I mean, the, the, at the time, both of these statements were attacked. Hillary Clinton saying that some, some Trump supporters were in a basket of deplorables. Isn't that evident right now after January 6th? And then you had um, Dianne Feinstein saying, to Amy Comey Barrett, the religious dogma lives strongly within you. Well, do we need any more verification of that after the last rulings by the court? You know, James Madison, who's called the father of the Constitution, he said that no taxpayer should have to pay for somebody else's religion. Well, now in, in Maine, Taxpayer money is going to be used to teach kids the catechism. The football coach who was reprimanded by his school for giving religious inspirational speeches before each game and then went out after being warned and prayed on the football field, surrounded by football players, leading all of them and the people from the stands in prayer, with a parent who said, my son is an atheist, and he feels coerced into praying because he understands that if he doesn't, he might not be able to start in a football game. So there is coercion. There is a group effort here. And on school property, they're all allowed to pray. Now, this thing was like so many of these uh, cases that hit the court was a setup. And Sotomayor called it out. At one point, the coach was going to pray on the field and he turned around and he didn't want to get in trouble. So he got in his car and drove away. And then he was so upset that he had to go back and make a point. And he turned around and went back and got on the field and prayed. Where football team members gathered around him and joined him in prayer at a public school. Now, he could have prayed in his car. What, Jesus can't hear pray, prayers inside of a vehicle? He could have gone home and prayed. No, he had to make a point. You're not going to tell me what to do. The Constitution isn't going to tell me what to do. Um, so uh, in, in, in both of those cases, they've expanded. Well, they've demolished what we used to call the wall between church and state. Now, it's true that phrase is not in the Constitution. It says uh, Congress shall make no law respecting one religion uh, over another. Uh, the, the wall between church and state is in a letter from Thomas Jefferson. He knew a, a thing or two, didn't he? Uh, but instead of a, a wall between church and state, we've now put in a revolving door. 
where you can just walk through it. And believe me, this won't be the end of it. I mean, one Republican legislature in the legislator in the House, Lorena Bobbitt, she said, and let me get her quote exact, the church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not meant to direct the church. That is how our founding fathers intended it. In the face of such colossal stupidity and historical irrationality, how can you think that the work of Christian dominionists is going to stop here? I don't think you can. And what is the result of this? The Supreme Court, according to the Gallup polling agency, has the lowest approval rating of any Supreme Court in U.S. history. 25% of Americans approve of the Supreme Court at this point. 25%. And it isn't just uh, liberals or Democrats. The Senate candidate for this, you know, for the Senate seat in Ohio, a guy named J.D. Vance, maybe you saw his dreadful movie or read his book that was au courant after Trump was elected. Oh, we don't understand the hillbillies. It was called Hillbilly Elegy. We have to understand these people. Well, he's running for the Senate now in Ohio. And he said, for every single mid-level bureaucrat, every civil servant in the administrative state, replace them with our people. You know, the civil service is supposed to be apolitical. No, he wants to gut the entire federal government on its civil service level and replace it. Well, oh my God. Will the Supreme Court go that far? Doesn't matter to old J.D. Because in the next sentence, he said, and when the courts stop us, stand before the country and say, the chief justice has made his ruling. Now let him enforce it. Uh, which echoes the words of Andrew Jackson, who lost a Supreme Court um, uh, Supreme Court decision, and went on to a genocidal massacre of Native Americans. Let them enforce it, as Hamilton said. You know, they the Supreme Court has no army; it has no ability to tax. But man. It's become the strongest of the three branches. It's become the branch with the most influence on American society. And that's not way this that's not the way this was intended, folks. All right. Now one of the things that um you hear from Republicans over and over again is the um the poor chief justices who have demonstrators uh, marching in front of their houses. Now, let me just make this clear. I don't think 
demonstrating in front of a chief justice's house is productive. They've made their decision by marching in front of their house. Yes, there is a public message of your anger or displeasure, but it's not going to change anything. Not, not marching in front of their houses. And it just gives the right-wing fodder to talk about, oh, the poor babies that are inside the house. Here's another thing. I don't think they should have bullhorns. I think people who have bullhorns in front of somebody's house should be arrested on public nuisance charges. But holding placards and moving back and forth on the sidewalk, hey, there's an amendment that protects that right. We're not going to throw that amendment away. Now, if they step on the private property of the chief justice, I would say, okay, arrest them. But as one officer in command of overseeing these demonstrations said, hey, as long as they keep moving, as long as they're on the public sidewalk, then they are demonstrating their their uh, uh, constitutional rights. Uh, so I want you to listen to something right now. After the abortion ruling officially came down, Biden addressed the American people. And this is what he said call on everyone, no matter how deeply they care about this decision, to keep all protests peaceful. Peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. No intimidation. Violence is never acceptable. Threats and intimidation are not speech. We must stand against violence in any form, regardless of your rationale. All right. Now, that is perfectly clear. Imagine if Joe Biden had said, you've got to go out there and fight to get your country back. Go out there and take names and kick ass. What if he said, you're going to lose your country unless you march to the chief justice's houses and the Supreme Court? What if he had said that? No, what he said was peaceful peace. He said it three freaking times. Now, these people always say, oh, Joe, um, um, uh, uh, Trump said, I want you to peacefully, peacefully and patriotically go to the Capitol. He said that once buried into a speech after people had been told to kick ass, after they had been told you're going to lose your country if you don't go to the Congress and do something. Uh, after they'd been told, go there and take names. A very different thing. Now, Pete Buttigieg was on Fox News, and once again, this is their, oh, I guess this is their bet noir now. Oh, these people are protesting in front of their homes. Well, I have to tell you, they keep citing that 1950s law about protesting 
in front of the Supreme Court or in front of their residences in order to change their opinion. Well, <laughs> you can't change their opinion now. So, I mean, their opinion is out there. And number two, in the 1980s, that law was amended and found not to be constitutional. And people were then allowed to protest in front of the Supreme Court on the street. And of course, both pro-life and uh, pro-choice demonstrators have availed themselves of that constitutional right to protest and a constitutional right of assembly. All right, so recently, um, uh, Chief Justice Kavanaugh went to Morton's and protesters assembled outside the restaurant. They have a right to be outside the restaurant. Now, as I've said before, I don't think people, I think people should be arrested if they have bullhorns. But if they're outside and they're chanting or milling about or holding placards, that's an American right. Now, is it productive? I don't think so, but it is their right. And Pete Buttigieg was on Fox News, and he is a master. As you watch this and listen to his response to the Fox News interviewer, maybe you'll marvel like me at the fact that this guy thinks, not like this, but he thinks in paragraphs. He can respond. He doesn't ditch questions. He doesn't try to evade an answer. He constructs a full and persuasive and detailed answer to questions. Probably the, it, with that ability, is probably the best we have in this country. Take a look at this. Uh, public officials go into public life, we, we should expect two things. One, uh, you should always be free from violence, harassment, and intimidation. And two, you're never going to be free from criticism or peaceful protest, people exercising their First Amendment rights. Okay. And that's what happened in this case. Remember, the justice never even came into contact with these protesters, uh, reportedly didn't see or hear them. And these protesters are upset because a right, an important right, that the majority of Americans support was taken away. Understood. Not only the right to choose, by the way, but, the, but this justice was part of the process of stripping away the right to privacy. As long as I've been alive, settled Fine. case law in the United States has been that the Constitution protected a right to privacy, and that has now been thrown out the window by justices, including Justice Kavanaugh, who, as I recall, swore up and down in front of God and everyone, including the United States Congress, that they were going to leave settled case law alone. So, yes, people are upset. They're going to exercise their First okay. Amendment rights. And as long as that's peaceful, that's protected. Compare that, for example, to the reality that as a country right now, we're reckoning with the fact that a mob summoned by the former president All right, well, let me follow violently up, Mr. Secretary. attacked the United States Capitol for the purpose of overthrowing the election and very nearly succeeded in preventing the peaceful transfer of power. But, I think common sense can tell the difference. But as a high-profile public figure, sir, are you comfortable with protesters protesting when you and your husband go to dinner at a restaurant? 
Protesting peacefully outside in a public space? Sure. Look, I can't even tell you the number of spaces, venues, and scenarios where I've been protested. And, and the bottom line is this. Any public figure should always, always be free from violence, intimidation, and harassment, but should never be free from criticism or people exercising their First Amendment rights. Chuck Schumer, in response, said, too, I've had people protesting in front of my house many, many, many times. And as long as they're peaceful, and I would add as long as they are not invasive, if not, as long as they don't go on your private property or actually you know, use a bullhorn uh, to in, uh, invade the oral sanctity of your home, uh, that's a constitutional right. Hey, do you remember? Do you remember all those people who surrounded Lindsey Graham when he was at the airport and they were shouting at him, traitor, traitor, you know, you've you've left Donald Trump. They were right next to him. They were a crowd of people surrounding him. I mean, I, I showed the clip some time back, but maybe you, you maybe you might remember that. I didn't hear them complain then about the right of people to protest. All right. So as long as we're talking about protest, let's get in the Wayback Machine and go way back. Way back on my TV show and way back in the United States and Supreme Court history. Now, in 1989, every state except, and this is a surprise, Alaska and Wyoming had laws that said it was illegal to desecrate the United States flag. Now, in Texas, at uh, I believe it was the Republican convention, a guy named Greg Johnson poured kerosene on the American flag and burnt it publicly. And he was arrested for that. Now, that was the law in Texas, and I, I, he might have lost uh, some of the lower cases. But with the aid of William Kunstler, he went all the way to the Supreme Court. All the way to the Supreme Court where Kunstler said that what they're trying to do is to make a religious icon out of a political symbol. Now, at the end of this clip, I'm going to tell you what eventually happened. I'm going to tell you a bit about the commentary, and it's really surprising, so stick around. But this was Greg, Greg Johnson, who burnt the American flag and was arrested for it in Texas, and a guy named Dred Scott, who was an artist who placed the American flag like a carpet on the floor in front of his display encouraging people to stand on it with their shoes. So this is from 1989, and it's before the Supreme Court decision. And it's, it's both of these principal actors who say they have a constitutional right to even offensive displays and speech. Take a look. Americans do get upset when the flag is desecrated. Most Americans have an emotional reaction to the symbol of the ideals and freedoms of the United States. We saw during the last presidential campaign the flag becoming an issue in that camp campaign and the obligations Americans have to salute the flag. 
and the ideals it represents. Well, our guests this morning may make you upset, but they say they are just exercising their freedoms, freedoms that are guaranteed by that flag. Let me introduce them to you right now. Joey Johnson is a member of the Revolutionary Communist Youth Brigade. He was prosecuted and convicted for burning an American flag at the Republican National Convention in Dallas. His case is being appealed, and if he loses this time, he might go to jail. Dred Scott T Tyler is a 24-year-old artist from the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. Now, he developed um, a piece that he calls, What is the Proper Way to Display a U.S. Flag? Now, under a picture of a demonstration conducted by Korean students, where they were burning the American flag and held a placard that said, Yankee, go home, son of a bitch, he placed a book in which people were to sign their reactions to the flag and his art exhibit. But in order to sign that book, many of the people in the museum had to step and actually walk or stand upon the United States flag. American veterans and other patriotic groups were very upset by this and thought it exceeded the bounds of artistic freedom and freedom of speech. We're going to find out what the flag means to these two young men and what is the proper way to display the U.S. flag right now. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Well, as I said before, the flag for most Americans symbolizes, if not at least, ideals that are always perfectly uh, carried out in practice, at least ideals that they find admirable, that they believe in their hearts and in their minds. What does the flag symbolize to you, Joey? Well, to me, and I think to many millions of oppressed people throughout the world, it's seen as a symbol of international murder and plunder. That's what it means. And not only to, you think about it, throughout the world, one of the first things people do when they rise up from Seoul, South Korea, as you spoke up, to San Salvador, from Peru to Palestine, one of the first things people do when they rise up against U.S. imperialism to show their outrage and hatred for what this government has done, the, the death squads and the vicious regimes that it's backed up all over the world, one of the first things they do is, is burn the American flag. You grew up in an army family. You used to right. sell the Stars and Stripes, the military newspaper. When right. you see the flag, do you see anything good in it? No, nothing redeemable. On a world scale, people have to see that this flag has come to represent something far worse, frankly, than the Nazis could have ever imagined. One thing the flag represents as well is the right that you might possibly have to burn that flag as a freedom mm -hmm. of expression. If you did that in, if you burnt the swastika mm -hmm. or the symbol of Nazi Germany, you wouldn't be sitting on a talk show talking about it. Mm -hmm. If you burnt yeah. the hammer and sickle in Red Square, you wouldn't be... <laughs> you do realize that too, don't you? Yeah. So in one respect, for... So, uh, there, there have been wrongs committed in the name of, mm -hmm. of the American flag and the American people and, and this country, but the flag also, does a re also represents a freedom to some degree that's unparalleled in the world or the history of the world, well, doesn't it? Well, but first off, frankly, if I was in the Soviet Union, I'd be promoting people there to rebel against the regime that exists there, including like burning the Soviet symbol, because I don't think the Soviet Union... How long do you think you'd it? last in think, the Soviet Union? I don't think this, to the second point in your question about having this freedom to burn it, that's a dilemma that the Supreme Court is facing actually Well, what if right the Supreme now? Court says you have the right to burn the flag? Will you respect the freedoms that it stands for more? No, I won't. In fact, I think that what, will, what that will mean, if they choose to do that, it'll be a highly calculated political decision 
on their part that frankly at this point it would be too exposing of their whole charade of about how this is a free and open society where you're supposedly, supposedly able to free and openly express yourself to come down upon me. Because they're trying to raise the flag to the status of a religious icon. The Texas statute I was prosecuted under says desecration of a venerated object turning the flag into a re religious icon and then punish people who commit blasphemy upon it. Okay. Th there were, in your exhibit, some people who came and saw the flag yeah. who respected it so much that they lifted it from the ground, yeah. folded it up, and then stood and recited the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. And I believe incidents like this happened more than once. Do you respect at all their love and veneration of this flag? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, that, that breaks down into two. I mean, there's some people that, you know, actually are not for all, the, you know, the crimes that this country commits, but, you know, and actually oppose that and are still, you know, very patriotic and did come and say the Pledge of Allegiance. But a lot of the people that came, you know, were, you know, some World War One relics that have their own agenda, you know, and, and they're talking about enforcing patriotism on everybody. They're talking about, you know, a time, I mean, I, there was a, a leaflet that... World was, War One relics, well, you mean... Hold, but let me finish. You I mean veterans who I mean, have fought... So, but also, I mean, you know, from other wars and stuff, and they, they left a leaflet, in the, I mean, after they had a demonstration, they left a leaflet, you know, with sort of what they... But wait a second, I can't let this go by. You're talking about relics, but you're also talking about men who risked their lives, who came back without limbs, who went away, and some of them never came back to yeah. fight Nazism, which is one of the greatest... Not in World War I, they didn't. In World War II, they did. You okay, said so other wars as yeah, okay, well. Fine. You did say that, okay? okay? Yeah. They did go to fight Hitler. Yeah. Didn't they do something? Didn't they save the world to some degree from a great evil? I, I mean, yeah, Hitler should have been opposed and crushed, and he was, but the thing is, the basis on which America did it was not so much for, you know, sort of freedom for everybody to be free, but more freedom for the U.S., you know, war block. Didn't they do it so that guys like you could sit here and tell us that we have no freedom? No, they didn't. No, I don't think no, they, they did. And so they could disagree with you? I don't think they did. But, it, but, but this is the reality. No, okay. This is the reality. You're sitting here and you're no, telling us this. All right. Well, this was before uh, the case went to the Supreme Court with William Kunstler arguing for their defense. And I do apologize. His name was uh, Joey Johnson, not Greg Johnson. Uh, but they won the case in a 5-4 decision. The Supreme Court decided burning the flag was a form of symbolic political speech. And uh, joining the majority and this might surprise you, was Antonin Scalia, who later on said, as much as I am offended by burning the flag, it is a constitutional right. And during the course of the trial, uh, when the district attorney um, from Texas, I believe, was saying, the state has a vested right in protecting our symbols, um, Scalia asked, well, what about your state flower? What do you do to protect the, uh, the veneration of the state flower of Texas? Anyway, uh, if this case came before the Supreme Court now, who knows? Who knows how they would decide? All right, so a few weeks ago, I showed you the clip of how I helped George Washington put down the Whiskey Rebellion. The Whiskey Rebellion, which is the definitive early American answer to this 
ridiculous fantasy that people have to have guns so they can overthrow the tyrannical government. These people who engaged in rebellion thought that the government, which was in Philadelphia at that time, was tyrannical. And they got together with their guns. But Washington and Hamilton, who raised militias, militias, which are explicitly defined in the Constitution as to purpose, order, and who, 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 who commands them and why they should be commanded. They went out and they suppressed these insurrectionists and arrested a whole bunch of them, charged them with treason. Um, but anyway, it was my contribution to uh, General Washington and Alexander Hamilton that I showed you in a clip like this. We want Neville! Send him out! He's not here! I order you men to disband! We intend to make a citizen's arrest. This is an illegal armed force. You're here in violation of the law. To hell with your law! I tell you, Neville left an hour ago. He left here on horseback. Liar! Come on! No! Men! He's a major in the army! Maybe he's telling the truth. He's lying in his teeth. He's got Neville in there. Let's go get him. No! Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, what a terrible day. Oh, anyway, you know, people complain about veterans' benefits. But after my service to my country, soon after its inception, this is what I get as a benefit. This is what I get paid. It's funny because, you know, for, what is it? Uh, I think I shot that in 86, 96, 206. Oh my God, almost 30 years. I heard nothing about it. Now I just, for some reason, it must be showing somewhere because I received a check from MGM for 59 cents. That's what I get for putting down the Whiskey Rebellion. It just came in the other day. Amazing. Anyway, thank you again for joining me on Richard Bay Talk, and uh, I'm sure Albert thanks you as well. As I said, the last three weeks, our world has been turned upside down. Let's hope. Well, what, what do the Chinese say? Uh, it's a curse. They have a curse that says, uh, may you live in interesting times. Yes, we do live in interesting times. Uh, and that's what creates fodder for a podcast. Uh, frankly, I think we could go for a little less interesting in our times. But thank you for joining me today. And as always, all my best to you.